Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauley, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. Wes? Hey, Travis. It's good to be back. First one of the new year. Yeah, it's the first recording of the new year, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it's been a while. We recorded a bunch all at once, and so... Hopefully there's not much of a gap between the last one that people heard and this one today, but yeah. there's been a pretty big gap for us. We had the holidays and yeah. uh, now we're back in the studio and back in ready the to record another one. Ready to go. So you promised to surprise me with the topic today. Yeah, I, I, I remembered that someone had asked me a really good question that they wanted me to discuss on the podcast. And I say someone because I don't remember who this was. Mm. I think it was Anonymous. a sister in Christ and not a brother in Christ. But I can't be positive because I can't even remember. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, that was my question, <laughs> then I'm sorry. I yeah. am very sorry that I forgot who sent it to me. We we were talking earlier, I've got email and Facebook Messenger and the Radically Christian Facebook Messenger and Twitter yeah. and, you know, every now and then a carrier pigeon. Just kidding, I don't get carrier pigeons. But, um, you know, all of these different ways of communication and most everything is archived somewhere, but remembering where that came in. So I, yeah. I knew somebody had sent me something and I remembered it was a great question but that's it. Like that, I didn't remember who it was or what the question was, or even. And to me, that was more pertained. than enough for us to go off of. <laughs> We've already made five minutes out of it yeah, already. So, but then I remembered. I don't remember how it came to me, but it just came to me. I don't know where it came from, but it was it was stuck up there in the cobweb somewhere. But um, I I remembered the question or the gist of it. I don't remember who sent it to me. Again, I apologize. But it's a great question, and this person. She, I, I'm almost positive it was a she, yeah. so I'm going to say she. Um, she emailed me and she said that uh, there was a poster hanging in her school, and it resonated with me because I had the same poster hanging in my school and probably in multiple rooms in multiple schools because you know this poster was everywhere. And so uh, she brought up this quote, and and you've probably heard it before. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Hmm. Have you heard that? I don't know that I'd heard that. Whoa. Heard things like it, but yeah. yeah. Okay, well. That's good. You know, I've, I've seen little motivational posters you know, all over the place. In fact, the, the quote was attributed to multiple people, but yeah. I think that the original quote is from uh, Lao Tzu, uh, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, and uh, and expressed this thought. So this quote comes from comes from Lao Tzu, and um, and she asked this. How do you, you know, I've always heard this quote, you know, she said, she's always heard this quote, uh, but then she was comparing that with what Paul says in Romans 5. So in this quote that we just read from Lao Tzu, it, it seems to imply that the end goal is character Mm -hmm. and that your character determines your destiny, right? So, and I don't know that 
always that full quote, that last line sometimes gets tacked on or left off. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Um, but sometimes it just ends with watch your habits, they become your character. Mm-hmm. Which, which, I mean, you think about that and it seems like great advice. You know, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. And that's all absolutely true, right? You know, you think something and then you say something and then you keep saying things and then you keep, then you start doing things and then you're doing those things and then they become a habit and then that habit becomes who you are, becomes your character. And then it says that your character becomes your destiny. And so we tend to think that the end goal is character, right? The end goal is that you become a good person. Mm -hmm. And then, then the, the destiny of that is your destiny, you know, where you're headed from there. So you, your the goal is to become a good person, you know, don't become a bad person by thinking the wrong things and saying the wrong things and doing the wrong things and having the wrong habits, become a good person. And then your good person, being a good person, that will become your destiny. So your destiny is determined by your character. And so, I, I mean, there's definitely some truth to that, but then she was comparing that with Romans chapter five. And she brought up a fascinating question. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5. I'll start in verse 1. I know I should start if we did what we talked about last time. We'd start in Romans chapter 1 and read all the way to the end of the book of Romans. But we won't do that. We will start in chapter 5. I'll leave it up to the audience to read the rest of the book on their own. But Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. This doesn't end with character. It ends with hope. Uh, And so, you know, her question was, you know, why is it that we tend to think that the goal is character? And this passage seems to say that the goal is hope. Um, And I thought, wow, that's a really, really interesting question. Is the goal um, to be a good person or is the goal hope? And and what does that mean? I I thought about that a lot today, and I I don't know that I have a good answer. Uh, Maybe this is a pondering episode where we we think through something. But that's an interesting uh, phrase that Paul uses, that character produces hope. Character produces hope hope. I just kind of want to walk through a few things in this passage and and then compare this. Well, let's start by comparing it to some other passages. Um, There's some other passages I want to look at as we talk about this. One is from James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, which is very similar to what Paul says. I think it's interesting uh, that you have Romans 5, which is Paul, Mm -hmm. then you have James, uh, James 1, which is James, obviously. And then we're going to also look at 1 Peter chapter 1, which obviously is Peter. So you have Paul and James and Peter who are all saying very, very similar things. Um, of course, they're all guided by the Holy Spirit, uh, but it's just interesting that not only what they're saying, but how they're expressing it is very, very similar. 
Uh, James says in James chapter 1 and verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness have and steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So again, very similar in that reacting well, reacting with joy to suffering and trial because it's producing something good in us. This suffering is leading to something good. And, and that should be an area in which Christians stand apart um, from other philosophies, from other worldviews, from other religions, is that we have a redemptive view of suffering. Mm-hmm. We do not believe that suffering is worthless. We believe that suffering is valuable and worthwhile, um, that suffering isn't something to be avoided at all cost, that it is something to be received with joy. I'm going to say that again because that <laughs> I still have to convince myself of that truth that suffering is something to be received with joy. And that doesn't mean that it can't be avoided. And I'm not saying that we can't avoid suffering because Paul avoided suffering. There were times where Jesus even avoided death and suffering. There are times to avoid suffering. But what I'm what I think that we have to say is that for Christians, suffering should not be something that we avoid at all cost. Mm-hmm. That that we have to be willing to accept and joyfully accept suffering because we believe not only that sometimes it's the will of God, uh, but also sometimes uh, we accept this because we have a redemptive view of suffering, that suffering sanctifies us, that there's a sanctification process uh, to suffering that makes us more whole, makes us complete. The way James puts it is that we are lacking in nothing. Uh, and then let's look at First Peter chapter 1, and he says, let's see, um, we will start, I guess, in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's just so much there. And again, I think part of it is I just want to ponder this with with Travis and just kind of think through this a little bit. But some of the similarities that I noticed between those three passages, again, those are Romans 5, uh, James 1, and 1 Peter uh, 1. One of the things that I notice is is the connection between hope and suffering, mm-hmm. that that we are suffering. And, and the way Peter, or yeah, the way Paul puts it in Romans 5 is that hope is the goal of our suffering, mm. that this is the end result of our suffering. Right. Peter says the end result is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James says the result is being complete and lacking in nothing. And Paul says the result is hope, that when you suffer, when you go through these various trials, when you suffer, 
you rejoice because you know that it produces endurance. So endurance obviously is just the ability or the willingness to go through and to just hold on and just to wait, to be long-suffering, to, uh, to make it to the end. And endurance, because you can't have, that's the thing with endurance, you can't have it without suffering. And that's right. one of the things that is very interesting about a lot of the qualities that, that Jesus and his apostles call out or commend amongst Jesus' followers is that, is, is the, are these qualities that cannot be attained, cannot be possessed, cannot be seen or demonstrated, except in suffering, in trial, in persecution. Right. Like there, there's no way to turn the other cheek unless your cheek is slapped. There's no way to go the extra mile unless someone forces you to go a mile. We want to apply some of those things to situations that we're avoiding at all costs. Like I don't want to be in a situation where somebody's going to force me to go a mile, like yeah. carry my pack for a mile. I don't want to be in that situation. I'm going to keep that situation from occurring. Well, okay, I, I don't blame you for not wanting to be in that situation, but you cannot even practice what Jesus calls you to do unless you find yourself in that situation. Now, that's not to say we try to bring that about. We want to bring that about. We beg for it. Hey, you know, please persecute me. Please, you know, make me go through suffering. But it is something that we have to recognize that we are commanded by Jesus, by all of the apostles, to consider it a blessing, to consider it a blessedness, to consider it joy, to rejoice in these types of situations. And it gives us the opportunity to practice what Jesus preaches, to practice what we're called to do. And man, that's not that's not something that we often talk about or often think about or often want to do. We, you know, uh, but but Paul is laying out right here for us the I don't want to say the practicality of it. Um, because that that makes it sound like it's very prag, uh, pragmatic, and, and that's not what I'm trying to go for. I don't think that's what Paul's trying to go for. But he is saying that there is good that's coming through this persecution. Yeah, I think um, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, actually, and this came up talking about um, being grateful and you know, definitely a form of rejoicing. I think probably the, you know, speaking of practical, the most practical form of rejoicing, actually picking something to be grateful about. Mm. And I, what we were talking about was like, you know, to, to simplify it, something bad happened, but then something good happened after that. And it, the good thing wouldn't have happened if the bad thing hadn't happened. It doesn't necessarily justify the bad thing happening. Right. But you've got something to be grateful about. Yeah. And, and I thought that was, that was really interesting because it's like, that's a, that's a, that's taking something that happens to you yeah. and being grateful about it. And then it sort of teaches you. And I think something as I get a little bit older, I start to appreciate is, you know, we brought up habits earlier. You make good habits and it might, it might make some things about today, not so fun, but next week's going to be better. Mm hmm and so those simple little sacrifices that you make mm -hmm. to make the future, you know, you're making a bargain with the future. Mm -hmm. And that remain, that reminds me of not to overly, um, uh, to think about it too philosophically, but, um, like we were talking about, 
but uh before the show but uh but it makes me think of the the Israelites and sacrificing yeah. and this you know these physical sacrifices of animals that had to happen to make the future better to have hope to yeah. have hope that God won't look down in wrath at us um and when we talking about the the connection between character and hope the first thing i thought of was first corinthians 15 and um i'll start in verse 30 uh why are we in danger every hour i protest brothers by my pride in you which i have in christ jesus our lord i die every day what do i gain if humanly speaking i fought with beasts at ephesus if the dead are not raised let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die mm. and you know that idea that hope gives you kind of a reason like yeah. because because there's hope like yeah. there's hope that yes. tomorrow like tomorrow god's gonna make it better yes sometime in the future god's gonna make it better yeah but who do you want to be when he comes yeah. who do you need to be yeah. when he comes back because you know it, I, peter says it paul says it in in that passage and it's i i think it's it's kind of sobering in a way uh when they bring up things like if if this isn't true, then we're to be pitied above everybody, you know? And it's sobering because it reminds me of the stakes here. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, you're placing a lot of faith in that hope yeah. and that's going to require sacrifice from you because it requires a lot of sacrifice to be of good character mm -hmm. <laughs> and to maintain that. Um, but I think the, the other nice thing is, like a lot of those benefits, I, I don't think we have to wait till heaven to see all the benefits of, of working on our character and choosing to place our faith in that hope. Yeah. It's like I, when I'm good about that, I see those benefits almost immediately. Yeah. You know, the benefits of making sacrifices. And well, and that's, and that's such an interesting thought process, you know, I mean, and, and, and I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that, I think that so much of Christianity, I mean, there's just so many layers. Every time I think about it, I think, well, yeah, we kind of do this, but we kind of do this other thing too. So on, on, on the one hand, we have this tendency, I think, to put all of our eggs in the, you know, the future basket and mm -hmm. just say, you know, you know, it's all about the future. Uh, but then on the other hand, we have this tendency to remove hope from, from Christianity from discipleship and make it just about pragmatism, you know, just like right. being a good person. And I've even heard people say things like, you know, well, even if even if God isn't real, it's not going to hurt anything by being a good person and by mm. following Jesus. And it's like, yeah, actually it will. Like, yeah. yeah, like you're pretty much, you're sacrificing a lot of enjoyable things. If there is no God, right. you know, then, then, but I think that what we've done is we've conflated just being a good person right. and being a disciple of Jesus. Right. Being a disciple of Jesus means far beyond being a good, virtuous person. There have been good, virtuous people for, from the very beginning. I mean, the, right. the Greeks, you know, had all kinds of philosophy about being virtuous and what does it mean to be virtuous? And they worked on and practiced virtue. And I think this is where this question that the this listener has brought out is so important because there is something beyond virtue. 
and it's hope because our hope is not in ourself in just being virtuous. Right. Yes, there are some benefits to that sometimes, and sometimes they they get you your head cut off, and sometimes they get For you nailed sure. to a cross. And you know, I mean, in our very comfortable you know first world situation where Christianity has you know for the last you know several hundred years been um, privileged, you know, and so we we, we have this environment and context where, yeah, it, being a Christian, especially you know, maybe 50 years ago, like, yeah, if you were a Christian, that's where you did all your networking, was at church. And, you sure. know, you, I mean, there were all kinds of benefits to being a churchgoer and being a good, honest, virtuous person. Yes, absolutely. But there's more to being a follower of Jesus than just going to church and being a, a virtuous person, number one. Number two, most followers of Jesus have not lived in that context. Most followers of Jesus have lived in a context where following Jesus will get you killed. It right. will, your money will be taken away. Your status will be taken away. Your power will be taken away. Your life very well may be taken away. What's the benefit? Well, the benefit is hope, is the fact that going through this situation, Paul says, produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And I did some some research in on this Greek word here that's translated character, because when we think about character, you know, like we think of a virtuous person, you know, somebody that's good, somebody that makes good decisions. And I think there's part of it that's that, but I think the better translations tend to say proven, proven character. Yeah. It's almost like a hyphenated, you know, word, or it's all part of one thing, because this word literally can mean a test. Yeah. But it's, it's like a test or the results of the test. So it's it's genuineness. Mm-hmm. So so when when Paul says that endurance produces genuineness, endurance produces character, he's saying it it proves that you are the real deal, that you really are the real deal. And I I think that for us and, and again, I'm not saying virtue is bad or character in that sense is bad, but I think Paul is talking about something slightly different here. He's talking about going through difficult times, and the more you go through and the more you suffer for the sake of Jesus, it proves who you are, that you really are one of God's people. And and that endurance produces this this type of character, this proven, this quality or trait of being proved genuine it's like and peter puts it kind of like that way like like going through the the refining fire like gold that's refined in in fire or metal that's refined in fire and so once it's gone through the fire it's proved genuine but again you can't prove the genuineness of something without it going through the fire. And that's our problem, I think, is that we don't want to go through it. Like, we sure. resist it. We fear it. And that's a word I want to I kind of hone in on is fear. Because I think that fear and hope are, are very much at odds. And fear is very much a natural response to the prospect of suffering. Mm-hmm. When, when you think about suffering, when you think about being persecuted, when you think about losing your family, losing your life, losing your status, losing your power, losing whatever, it's a scary idea. But the gospel is intended to take out the fear and replace it with hope and joy. Not in, and as you said a minute ago, not in rejoicing in the bad thing, like nobody... It's not a good thing that a bad thing is happening. And, and, we, don't, I think, and we don't want to call bad things good things. Right, that's exactly yeah. right. We don't want to call evil good and right. good evil. We, we, it's not a good thing. Um, 
And, and it's, it's not just that it has a, quote, silver lining to it. Right. It's that the result of it, the opportunity of it, is the opportunity for proven character. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I mean, it, it's almost like if we could grasp that, that we cannot have proven character without trials. We cannot have proven character without suffering. We cannot have proven character without persecution. Like, not it's hard to, or it's difficult to, or you'd really have to work hard at it. You can't have it. It's like you can't have refined gold without fire. It doesn't work that way. And so if we truly believed that, we would we would receive it, not not egg it on. And I think I, I always want to hesitate when whenever whenever we talk about persecution and like how Christians should deal with persecution. Like I think there's some Christians out there that like want to be persecuted. Right. And so like every little thing that, you know, people don't like them, it's like, well, they don't dislike you because you're a Christian. They just dislike you because you're being a jerk. You know, it's not, <laughs> right, right. you're just being rude. That's not persecution. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to be careful here, I think. But but here, you know, Paul is teaching the church in the first century and now. And James is teaching the church and Peter is teaching the church. This is how you receive it. You don't receive it in fear. You don't receive it in, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep that from happening. You receive it with joy. <laughs> you think, joy? How in the world, Paul, can I receive this with joy? He says, because your character cannot be proven. Your genuineness cannot be proven unless you go through this. And you say, okay, if this is the way, if this is the way to be refined, if this is the way to be sanctified, if this is the way to produce that endurance and character are produced in me, then I'm I'm willing and not just willing but joyfully receive it and and willing to go through it. Well, and I think on top of that, I think it's also like I mean, like we keep saying, it's important to you know label everything properly as it's happening to you, as you're looking forward to it, as you're reflecting on mm-hmm. it. Call the bad things bad things, yeah. but that doesn't you know they don't have to be ultimately bad things. Yeah. Like, isn't it? I, I think about this and this thought process helps me with the smallest to the biggest questions I have about life. You know, isn't it great that God can make something beautiful out of that awful thing? Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it great that, that, you know, difficult situation, the, the grief, the loss, God turned that into a way to bring people together or, you know, like again, not, you can call the bad thing a bad thing. You can call your suffering difficult. You know, I don't think Paul, makes any pretension about not liking being in prison, you know, like that this isn't fun. This isn't Jesus asked for the cup to be, to pass from him. Right. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, and I think we, you know, because of the extensive amount of writing we have from Paul, you get a pretty clear picture that he was at overall, like, you know, to live as Christ and to die as gain. I know I'm doing something good here. And, no matter how hard it gets, there's some solace in that. There's yeah. there's something noble about that. There's there's something very fulfilling about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think wherever you look in in people's worldviews, political views, uh, whatever aspirations people have, like we are all searching for something 
the, the same thing, some sort of meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, why are we here? None of us signed up for this. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a nihil. And if you think about that too long, there's a nihilism that comes from that. The mm-hmm. antithesis of hope. Right. Yeah. yeah that yeah. it's like yeah. that we're all victims of a raw deal. We didn't yeah. ask to be born and we didn't ask to die and we yeah. didn't ask for everything in between. Yeah. But Jesus is like, Jesus is offering a, another way. He's yeah. he's actually saying, no, the moments that you suffer, the moments yeah. that are hard, yeah, those are actually going to produce. If, yeah. if you let it, if you if you have the right attitude, if you approach it with the right, um, with with the right attitude and the right approach, like you know, you can actually benefit from it. Yeah. You can actually become yeah. better. Yes, I mean it's it's exactly uh, what you're you're laying out is exactly what the kingdom is. It's mm-hmm. this is what we spent several weeks talking about. It's this upside down view of reality mm-hmm. that that takes everything and turns it on its head. And and so what the world calls foolishness, the kingdom calls wisdom. Yeah. What the world calls weakness, the kingdom calls strength. What the world calls failure, the 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 kingdom calls success and victory and so here you know i mean who could be more of a failure than a bunch of meek and gentle and lowly sheep who are run all over and persecuted nailed to crosses poor despised and the world looks at them and says I'm supposed to accept that that's that's the the hope of the world right and and Paul and Peter and James, they're all telling them, yes, it is. You are the hope. This message that we have, this is the truth and the reality because your suffering is actually glory. So what you might look at and say, I'm ashamed, like I'm living in shame. He says, no, 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 your shame is actually glory. It's everything is upside down and backwards in the kingdom of God. And that's why this idea of hope is so incredibly important that this is what it's about. This is this waiting, Mm -hmm. this already, the kingdom is already. So these things we're rejoicing in, but it's all, but it's also not yet. And I love, you know, we started in, in Romans five, he says, he says, through him, we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So there's the already. And then he says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is something that we will not only experience, but be given. We will be glorified with Jesus. We will be honored. And so he's going to turn upside down all of our weakness into strength, all of our failure into success, all of our foolishness into wisdom, all of our suffering into glory. And so all of it is going to be turned upside down. In fact, when Paul talks about it on in terms of a scale, nobody can see my hands moving up <laughs> and down, but but when he talks about it in a scale, he says that the glory doesn't even compare with the suffering that we're going through right now. It's a little bit of suffering and it's going to be a whole lot of glory. Yeah. So, we have to we have to realize that this is the end goal for the follower of Jesus. This is the end goal. The end goal is what God is going to do. And I, I think there's there's an interesting thing that I want to say as we or before we wrap up. Um, you know, when when you think about this original quote from Lao Tzu, you know, I, I, I kind of started working my way backwards as we were thinking about that. He says that, he says, watch your 
your your habits because they become your character. And, and we were talking about whether or not character should be the end goal, but but I think maybe even backing up from that, does do, do our habits become our character? Is this what produces our character? It's a very Again, it's very philosophical, but it's a very humanistic, it's a very human-centered equation that says my character is the result of my habits, and my habits are the result of my actions, and my actions are the result of my words, and my words are the results of my thoughts. Wait a second. Is that is that cohesive with the gospel message? Can we can we put that together with the gospel message? I don't know that we can. I don't know that Paul would agree that our character is simply the results of our habits. It seems that Paul says our character is the result of our endurance, and our endurance is the result of our suffering. Mm-hmm. That it it it's going through this suffering that produces endurance, and it's the endurance that produces the character, and it's the character that produces the hope. And so if we're not careful, we can, again, not only remove hope from the Christian equation, but also remove the Spirit and remove what God is doing and, and remove the, the place of suffering. Again, it's, it's really easy in our comfortable culture, in our comfortable context, to say, how do I become a virtuous person? How do I become a person of character? How do I become the person I'm intended to be? Well, I make good decisions. But wait, what if the answer has more to do, suffer the things that God is willing for you to suffer? Mm. Carry your cross and follow Jesus. Mm. What if What if that's part of the equation? And we spend all of our life avoiding pain, avoiding suffering, avoiding challenge. You know, so something's hard or something might reduce you know, difficulty. And I, I think, here's an example. I, I'm talking very philosophically, I guess, but, you know, an example would be, you know, why don't we go, why don't we send more missionaries to places where it's dangerous, where they might get their hands cut off or their heads cut off? Why don't we encourage young men and women um, before they get married and have families and, you know, have a house and have 2.5 kids and have a career and a Roth IRA and all of the things that we're told this is the goal of life. Why don't we say, you know what? That's great. You can do that. God can use you in that environment, in that context. But what about reconsidering and putting off marriage for a while and go be a missionary in a dangerous third world country? You know, what What about going and putting your life on the line to share the gospel with someone else? Why not go and feed the hungry and, and put roofs over people's heads in the name of Jesus? You know, why not go and do these things? We, we're like, well, it's dangerous. We don't want to do that, you know? And so we we have this tendency to avoid pain, avoid suffering, avoid persecution at any cost in order to preserve our comfort, thinking somehow that we can have character in a context of comfort. And it seems to me the New Testament says you you really can't. You're going to have to go through some sort of suffering. And that's not saying you have to go to a third world country because certainly we can right. you know face that here, but it's it's different. You know, and the suffering is going to be different, and so it's going to be even more difficult to sacrifice, to put ourselves in a situation where we have to give up. So maybe for us in this context, it's we live on drastically less than we make so that we can support the work of the gospel being spread, the kingdom being built. And and we do this because, not only because for the good of our neighbor and the good of the church and the good right. of the, the gospel, but also for my own sake, 
for my own producing endurance and endurance producing character and character producing hope. Yeah, I think again as we wrap up, just a couple more thoughts. Like you said, have you know having the courage to suffer what God has for us to suffer, what He wills for us to suffer. I think that's you know take up your cross and follow me. It's like it's a commitment to rise above being naive, mm-hmm. and that you know I mean the th- you know suffering is almost not like that doesn't quite capture everything that that entails Mm -hmm. because when you suffer like you're you are whether you know it or not you're plunging your hands into the filth and Mm -hmm. you're gonna you know you're gonna have to confront some things about yourself and about reality and about maybe god and about the nature of evil and that's that's you know to your point about this life that we all kind of in this comfortable world get encouraged to live that it's like you know a much I, I think of it sometimes as a much simpler version of the sacrifice model of like we like talking about before like you do something now so that later's better like the most material version of that is maybe like the life that we're sort of encouraged to have when it's like you know you can go back to verses like store up your treasures in heaven yeah and you know again maybe we're not like i mean i I think it's just a good point to bring up a lot like you said like maybe we're not all meant for that life like maybe some of us are meant to go in dangerous places and how would we ever know if we you know if we don't if we don't if we get that urge if we hear that whisper Mm -hmm. of you know yeah that that might be something i'm i you know that that's meant for me yeah Take yeah. you know you know we got to take those opportunities, yeah. but it's, it's and let our kids take those. I, I know you're not there yet, but yeah. you know someday you'll have kids maybe, and you know I, I mean I got two little boys, and if one of them comes to me and says, "Hey, Dad, I I think you know I want to go over here to you know West Africa, where you know the Muslims may very well you know kill me for following Jesus and preaching the gospel." You know, can I go? That's a lot. You know, when he's 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 or whatever, you know, it's like. Would I consider it a joy mm-hmm. to lose my son so that I could gain him forever? You know, not to say he needs to lay down his life, but yeah. he, he he does. Yeah. <laughs> In one way or the other, we all do. Yeah. The only way to gain my son or my father or my sister or my brother or my whomever, the only way to gain my own life is to lay it down for Jesus. And and we're just, we're, we're very attached to right now. And that's what the very opposite is, is hope, is the hope that says, I'm willing to endure the present, endure the suffering of the present in light of the future. And if we really believed, if we really believed that God was making all things new, if we really believed that the the creation was going to be redeemed, if we really believed in the resurrection of the dead, if we really believed that there's going to be an eternity of immortality and imperishability, if we really believed that, and we said, okay, are you willing to sell everything you have so that you could buy this treasure? Or do you want to hold on to everything you have? Man, that's where the rubber meets the road. And mm-hmm. these are the kinds of questions that we have to wrestle with, but we very seldom take the time to wrestle with them because we think that the end goal is simply be a good person and go to church. And the end goal is hope. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family, for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.